Hello everyone from the Wicked Awesome City of Boston. Welcome to episode two of the Skeptical Junkyard. I'm your host, the Junkyard Bulldog. On this podcast, we'll talk about skepticism, religion, pseudoscience, politics, anything in the news, on social media, or just on my mind. Nothing needs to be discussed, dissected, mocked, or just plain scream, fuck you at in this week's episode, we'll discuss the new Secretary of State, Obama organizing a satanic sedition, Trump's problems in Scotland, a woman exposes Trump's incompetence in a single response, and a movie that never existed. So strap on in, let's get on with the show. Oh, bitch, bitch, bitch. I've been seeing a lot of Trump supporters posting in social media that we all just need to come together. And I wonder, what does that mean to them? The only answer I can come up with is they mean stop bitching and disagree with everything we want. I don't see anything else it could mean. It certainly don't mean come together as in let's compromise and find a solution that's acceptable to both sides. If they are, then they're not proposing those compromises when they see the backlash of something our snowflake and cheap has done, said, or proposed. They just tell us to stop bitching and, quote, come together. So let's explore that idea. This administration wants a version of the ACA that will give tax cuts to the rich, will force the poor of us to either increase their health care costs by thousands of dollars or stop going to the doctors. I guess those people can not buy an iPhone that costs a few hundred dollars to pay for thousands in health care. No one ever accused Republicans of being math geniuses. And they want to slash Medicare for our parents and grandparents. So if you're a person that is either dependent on the ACA or Medicare, or give a shit about people that are dependent on the ACA and Medicare, where do we come together on this issue? I believe that healthcare should be a right. I believe that everyone should have the same access to some basic things in society. Clean water, sorry Flint, Michigan, but you're all poor. Clean air and healthcare are just some basic ideas that shouldn't be dependent on your income. People should be able to get their diabetes medication no matter what their income level. They should have access to heart transplants and hospital stays without having to weigh if living is worth dying in debt. If you disagree, then you're just a heartless bastard. And I'm not sorry if this upsets you. If you think access to life-saving care should be based on income, then fuck you. You're a piece of shit. So again, where does a person like me that believes access to health care should be a right and someone that believes the right not to die in pain and despair should be based off income come together? I have to agree that poor people should die early or in extreme medical debt, and you'll agree that the top 1% needs an extra 200K they won't even miss. Tell me how we come together. You want a wall to keep all those scary brown people out. Again, the snowflake right needs the entire country to be a safe space. I believe that this wall is a ridiculous waste of money, and all the evidence demonstrates that to be true, and that building a wall around your country is, in fact, the act of a tyrannical government. List all the countries that are known for their walls and ask yourself if these countries are tops of your list when you think of bastions of freedom. This wall will cost us billions of dollars with the promise that at some point in the future, we'll get paid back for it. Our snowflake in chief says, trust me. Build it now and pay for it, and though we have no way of making Mexico pay for it, we'll work that out later. He's not even offering to get the money first, and frankly, I still would be against it. He's claiming he'll be able to get the money at some point. Trust me. Are you fucking kidding me? If you believe that shit, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona I'd like to talk to you about. You want a wall of fear, and that is what this wall is. You're afraid of brown people, and you want a wall to keep them away from you, and you're willing to pay billions for it. And I think not only is it a waste of money, but all the evidence shows it's unnecessary, will have the opposite effect than what it's meant to have, will never be paid back to us, 
and is a sign of tyranny. So how do we come together over this? What is the compromise? When you're asking people to come together, you're asking them to get rid of their biases and do the right thing. But to do that, you have to agree on what the right thing is. We can't even agree that keeping guns out of the hands of the mentally ill is a good idea. But that's not what you mean when you say come together. What you really mean is stop letting your thoughts be known if they disagree with those in power and just allow them to do anything they want to do unchallenged. Never question those in power, which I'm not surprised that Trump has think like that as Trump has said to only get your news from him. But the most frustrating thing is you don't really believe that anyway. What you truly mean is never question those in power when my side is in power. You didn't feel that way for the past eight years. I've seen your Facebook feed. You're proposing a position you don't really believe in. You believe come together means agreeing with you 100%. And your stance you want us to come together on is fuck brown people, the LGBTQ, and poor people. Wow, where do I get in line to sign up for that compromise of the value of my fellow humans? In short, come together on my cock. It is time to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C. I want to break down our new Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, or good old T-Rex, as I've seen him named. And since I love that, I'll refer to him as T-Rex from now on. First, looking back on the last few Secretary of States and the comparison of qualifications makes it strikingly obvious of how unqualified Tillerson is. What do I do? Nothing, dear. You're not qualified. He got his bachelor's degree in civil engineering from the University of Texas at Austin. T-Rex joined ExxonMobil in 1975 and rose to serve as the chairman and chief executive officer of the company from 2006 to 2016. T-Rex has had ties with Vladimir Putin since he represented Exxon in Russia during President Boris Yeltsin's tenure. John Hamry, the president and CEO of the Center for Strategic and International Studies, of which T-Rex is a board member, said that Tillerson had more interactive time with Vladimir Putin than probably any other American with the exception of Dr. Harry Kissinger. What a shock. A Trump cabinet member with ties to Russia. I am shocked. Shocked. Well, not that shocked. He's a friend of Igor Session, the leader of the Kremlin's Siloviki faction, which is a military faction who has been described as Russia's second most powerful person. Hello, I'm number two. Nice to meet you, number two. T-Rex, true to his name, is in some legal hot water for human rights abuse by employees of Exxon in Indonesia. While he is enjoying his role as U.S. Secretary of State, ExxonMobil is preparing to appear before a jury at the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. There, the company will face allegations that the security forces under its employee engaged in serious human rights abuses, including murder, torture, sexual violence, kidnapping, battery assault, burning, arbitrary arrest, detention, and false imprisonment. I'm being paid to kill you, but I'm going to torture you for free. Are you serious? Where did you get those relics from? The Shafran's garage sale? Yeah, right. I mean, I know there's nothing more annoying than a backseat torturer, but please, come on. This is great stuff. It's not great stuff. That's like 1972. Hello. You know, I don't even think you want to be tortured. I don't want to be tortured. You're just like taking all the fun out of it. The complaint specifically names Rex Tillerson. Here's two examples I can dig up. Plaintiff John Doe 1 alleged that from 1976 to 2005, in the midst of a violent independent struggle, ExxonMobil essentially privatized Indonesian soldiers despite their well-documented history of abusing Indonesian citizens and aided the aiding and abetting the human rights violations through financial and other direct material support. According to John Doe 2, in August of 2000, soldiers working for ExxonMobil beat and tortured him, using electricity all over his body, including his genitals. Oh! 
After three months, the soldiers took off his blindfold, took him outside the building where he'd been detained, and showed him a pit where there was a large pile of human heads. The soldiers threatened to kill him and add his head to the pile. The price you pay, I collect your fucking head. Just like this fucker here. He was ultimately released, only to have the soldiers return later to burn down his house. Ah, Trump, keep fighting for the little guy. Wait, they're brown, never mind. <laughs> the best part of this case is ExxonMobil has fought the case for 15 years. Not to deny the human rights abuses, but rather that the company shouldn't be liable for them. <laughs> yeah, so our people tortured the fuck out of some brown people. How can you hold the rich white men that hired them responsible? America! I'm rich! A 2006 amendment and a 2007 complaint adding new plaintiffs alleged that top ExxonMobil officials have been continuously involved in the Indonesian operations and that ExxonMobil Corporation officials have met with Indonesian officials, including Rex W. Tillerson, president of ExxonMobil Corp. So our new secretary of state is the least qualified for the job, going back to at least the Clinton administration. I'll let you dig into that and determine that for yourself. And if you want to go back further, then more power to you. I'm too lazy. thing is, Bob... It's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. He has so many ties to Russia that he can see Sarah Palin from his house. And I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> and he's not a big fan of the little people having human rights. Get in his way and you may end up being tortured, raped, and murdered. But I guess that goes well with Trump's endorsement of torture in Gitmo. Hey, at least we have a man named Mad Dog to talk Trump down from torture. We'll have to get him T-Rex's number so he can explain to him why it's wrong. I have to know, Trumpets. Does this not bother you at all? Or do you care so little about other people that someone being involved in a case of human rights violations just doesn't even make you flinch? I'll be honest, I think it's a combination of the latter along with being just so blinded by your loyalty to your master that any negative information doesn't even register to you. Trump already said he could kill a man in the streets and you're all too stupid to care, so why is it surprising that his secretary of state could torture a man in the streets and you'd still not care? Nobody fucks with the Jesus. This story is about one of my favorite people, Rick Wiles, and it comes from Right Wing Watch, February 7th, 2017. Obama is personally orchestrating a satanic sedition against Trump. Well, who would you do that with, huh? Satan? For anyone that isn't familiar with Rick Wiles, he's the host of the True News radio program, a far-right fundamentalist Christian radio host and a conspiracy theorist. He believes Obama is the literal devil. Let's just listen to what Ricky has to say. Now my perspective is that we are witnessing a full-blown Marxist-Communist resistance movement, a revolution in America. The chief banker funding the Purple Revolution is billionaire George Soros, and the chief community organizer directing the insurrection in the street is none other than Barack Hussein Obama. I love how guys like this feel they need to use Obama's middle name because they find it scary. Ooh. I guess I'd see demons in every corner if I was so easily frightened, too. <laughs> let's, let's go on. The Purple Revolution is more than political resistance. It is sedition. Doc, it is sedition. I don't know what else to say about it. This is outright sedition. For our audience, what is sedition? What does that mean? <laughs> For our audience, translation, I'm really not sure what that word means, so I'll pretend I just want to make sure the listeners know what it means so I can then comment on it without sounding stupid. Sedition is, is an organized effort encouraging people to uh, resist and overthrow a legitimate government. And we have laws in the United States against sedition. In fact, today, Edward, I 
you know, I, I got the, the federal code and I printed out a number of pages of what our sedition laws talk about and what the Democrats are doing in the news media and the Obama needs to bureaucrats inside government agencies. What they are doing is these are acts of sedition. So what he's basically saying is that protest is a form of sedition, that if you speak out against your leaders, you're inciting sedition. I love shit like this because you know he really doesn't believe that. He spent the past eight years making a name for himself by speaking out against Obama, calling him the devil, Jihad Berry, the Antichrist, a murderer, a secret Muslim terrorist, and actually calling for people to resist him and for him to be literally overthrown and jailed. So now this tool thing speaking out against the president is sedition? No, what he's saying is you shouldn't be allowed to speak out against people I support. So for all of those people out there claiming that it's the far left that wants to control speech, here's one of your boys that wants people that protest the government put in jail, but only when the government is controlled by the right. That's not dangerous thinking at all. Let's choke back some bile and go on. Right, and looking from a, a Christian perspective, there are rules about this in the Bible. Believe me, you want to get you want to get God worked up? You know what sedition reminds him of? Rebellion. Yeah, and, and who's that remind him of? Witchcraft. And Lucifer, right. because it all goes back to Lucifer. I love how Rick is clearly trying to get this Nimrod to say Lucifer, but it goes right over his head. And when Rick finally stops trying to get him to say it and says it himself, the guy goes, right, like he knew all along what Rick was trying to say. What Lucifer did was commit sedition. He tried to overthrow God's kingdom. So all acts of sedition are inspired by Lucifer. And they're a foul taste in God's mouth. That's right. And they're a foul taste in God's mouth. <laughs> Maybe God should try pulling it out next time and take a shot to the face instead, or at least brush his teeth when he's done. <laughs> so people need to be very cautious about joining in a resistance movement because they are committing not only breaking the laws of the nation, but they're breaking God's law. This is extremely dangerous for you. It's interesting you bring that up. I've been hearing a lot of pastors and even that I know from different markets that I worked at preaching, even over the weekend, about being very careful in the, the movements, quote, that you start to join and comment on and how you comment. Yeah, because the words that we speak may come back and bite oh, yes. us later on. Every time. Yeah, these liberal meanies keep using our hate-filled comments against us. How rude. Well, let's let's look at some of the things that are happening right now. I mean, we you know we know George Soros is in this, right? He's up to his eyeballs. He's he's writing checks left and right, financing this movement. It's so strange that George Soros is the right's new boogeyman. They're terrified of him. I'm betting people like Rick wake up in cold sweats after having Soros nightmares and realize they've just pissed themselves. <laughs> My gut feeling, you know, intuition says Barack Obama is on the phone day and night, and he is directing the protest. He's organizing. He's giving clear instructions to the people what to do, how to carry it out. Yeah, that's it. Obama's calling thousands of protesters to give them instructions. You know, the thing about these people is they're incapable of thinking for themselves. They use the Bible to tell them what to do, what to think, how to feel, and by extension, the far right to tell them what to do, what to think, and what to feel. They believe that all their bigotries and hatred are given to them directly from God, so are just acting as they think they're being directed to act and so can't believe others can think for themselves and must be getting their thoughts from some other source that tells them what to do, what to feel, and what to think. I kind of find it sad that these people walk through life without ever having a thought they believe is their own. Well, not so sad I won't mock and laugh at them, but okay, not sad at all. <laughs> hey, 
won't last. Brothers and sisters are natural enemies, like Englishmen and Scots, or Welshmen and Scots, or Japanese and Scots, or Scots and other Scots. Damn Scots! They ruined Scotland! You Scots sure are a contentious people. Just made an enemy for life! This is from the Huffington Post, February 9th, 2017. Full frontal... Visit Scotland to meet the original Donald Trump haters. I'm not going to play the entire video. It's a seven minutes, so I'll just play you some highlights. The Donald visited Scotland to build a golf course and had some trouble. This woman named Amy Haggard went to Scotland to get into this issue. Once upon a ten years ago, a beast from the West came to Scotland and wandered into the untouched dunes of Aberdeenshire, declaring it for himself. We're building the greatest golf course anywhere in the world. Before he could grab them by the peat bog, the Benedonald professed his love to Scotland. My mother was born in Stornoway. I love the people, I love the Scotch. I'm Scotch myself. It's Scottish, you plonker. And with the false promise of 6,000 jobs, the Scottish government was seduced and his course grew and grew. So he wants to build a golf course, but the person that owns the farm he needs won't sell. A farmer who invented the art of pissing off Trump and rocking a woolly jumper, Michael Forbes. I met him once. Yeah. Just been the beach here, come over the dunes, about half a dozen bodyguards. And the first thing he says was, what's this what land worth, $25 an acre? This is in your fucking dreams, I said. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing could make you sell your land? No. I sussed him out in 10 seconds. He was an asshole. The only regret I have is I didn't knock him on his arse when I met him. This drove the Banshee so mad that he lumbered in front of some TV cameras to start wailing. I look at Mr. Forbes and his disgusting conditions. Mr. Forbes lives in a pig-like atmosphere. It's a slum. I mean, it's horrible the way he maintains it. It amazes me how he can be so disgusting to people, and he has the ear of the press. It's not like this farmer can just call a press conference to counter Trump, and you know the snowflake Trump wouldn't have had the guts to say this to this guy's face. Did you feel really hurt when he called you a pig? I was actually laughing about it. So was my mother. She thinks he's a clown. <laughs> I love pissing him off. <laughs> he's a compulsive liar. That's what he is. You just keep calling him a liar. Just keep calling him a liar. Good advice. So Trump tries to get the Scottish government to seize this farmer's land. Man of the people, hey, trumpets. So to combat this, the locals came up with a pretty good strategy. Like our next hero. Here's Trump threatening to seize Michael Forbes' land, so I offered to purchase a small part of it. Why would you purchasing it stop him from seizing it? At that time, I was a researcher in Antarctica, and so if they wanted to purchase it from me, they'd have to come and see me about it 9,000 miles away. So then next, the Scottish government decides to build windmills next to Trump's golf course, and he went to Parliament to fight it. They are so unattractive, so ugly, so noisy, and so dangerous that if Scotland does this, I think Scotland will be in serious trouble. Where is the clinical evidence? Not an opinion. Well, first of all, I am the evidence. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear that laughter? I am the evidence. (laughs) Riding off that laughter, our next hero, Parliament member Patrick Harvey, took his stand. I tweeted a a picture from the end of life of Brian poking fun at him, and I just added these little speech bubbles saying, I'm the evidence, I'm the evidence. Wow, nailed it. How many retweets and favourites did it get? Uh, I think it's had uh, quite a number since then. That number is 52. (laughs) Yet somehow that was still enough to anger the brute. I was astonished to receive uh, a letter telling me Donald Trump was accusing me of blasphemy and complaining to the Parliamentary Standards Commissioner. Blasphemy? Is that because he's legally God? Blasphemy? I'm not sure Trump believes in God. He may, in fact, be the first atheist president. You know that saying, be careful what you wish for. 
But if he does believe in God, it wouldn't be too out of place to believe he thinks it's him. <laughs> so just some average guy finds this funny and makes this tweet, and Trump tries to get charges filed against him. Again, the billionaire trying to silence the average guy from speaking out. Trumpets. Understand, Trump hates the little guy and is anti-free speech. So it goes to this funny interview process of people in Scottish Pubs and what they think of Trump. And I think you can uh, pretty much assume what those answers were. And then she asked the farmer from the beginning what advice he'd give to Americans. Just keep pissing him off. Just keep him busy by annoying him. Yeah. And then he can't do all the stuff we're worried about. Mm-hmm. An arsehole is always an arsehole. Keep pissing him off and he'll crack up. Yeah. And he'll end up in a padded cell. Great advice. And as Amy points out later in the video, anyone can do it. Just the facts, ma'am. So this is a really quick story. I just found amusing and wanted to share it. This is from BuzzFeed, February 7th, 2017. The article's titled, This Woman Fact-Checked a Donald Trump Tweet, and it was brilliant. On Friday, a man armed with two machetes attacked a military patrol at the Carousel de Louvre, an underground shopping center in Paris. Well, what are you then? I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? He injured a soldier and he himself was wounded in the stomach by bullets fired from another soldier. So, the Donald heard about this and before any facts were actually known, he ran to Twitter with half an idea of what actually happened to spew his hate like he's wont to do. Oh, no, finish your tweet. It's not, that's fine. Just give us a second. There you go. Hashtag it. He tweeted, quote, A new radical Islamic terrorist has just attacked the Louvre Museum in Paris. Tourists were locked down. France is on edge again. Get smart, U.S. This woman from Paris with the pseudonym of Edgy Wild took to Twitter to correct our mentally challenged snowflake in chief. She tweeted, Dear Mr. Trump, thank you for your concern. A man has indeed attacked a soldier with two machetes this morning in Paris. It wasn't the Louvre Museum, it was the Carousel de Louvre, which is a mall, less symbolic than what you're implying. He didn't attack any tourists or French people apart from the soldier either, by the way. Thank you again for your concern. And he was instantly attacked back by another soldier and wounded. Ow! The crowd has been kept inside after that by order of the army for security reasons, but not for any kind of hostage situation. Your tweet is voluntarily ambiguous. I say it! Say it! France is not on edge again at all. I learned about the attack 10 hours after it happened, even though it was in the media earlier. And I spent an hour and a half in another mall in Paris at lunch today without any kind of military reinforcement. I mean, just the usual since the Charlie Hebdo November 15th attacks. Oh, by the way, the man is from Egypt. You know, the country you didn't ban from entering the U.S. because of your personal affairs? Who's the bitch now? Again, thank you for your concern, but don't use France as an excuse for your assholery. You're the one encouraging fear with your distortion of the truth. Regards, Edgy Wild. P.S. Get smart, U.S. All in caps again to <laughs> mock Donald. Don't believe anything that he says without checking facts first. <laughs> like I said, this is just a quick story. I just loved this. Trump's entire information gathering and distribution demolished in a single response. But still, the Trumpets believe every word I was mouthed like good sheeple. <laughs> because this movie was in another reality, where many people have conscious memories and have somehow shifted into this reality. What's wrong with you? This story has been going around for a while, but I like it, so I just want to talk about it. So you've probably heard of this movie that people swear they've seen but doesn't seem to exist. It's a movie about a genie starring Sinbad called Shazam. 
Supposedly it came out before Shaq's movie Kazam that came out in 1996. I am Kazam! There is no record of this movie ever existing and Sinbad said he had never heard about it until people started asking him about it on Twitter. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> He had this great tweet, he said, Have you noticed no one my age has seen this so-called Sinbad Genie movie? Only you people who were kids in the 1990s? The young mind. <laughs> Literally, there are no records of this movie ever being made. No photos, no old VHS tapes, nothing. That's despite cash rewards from people eager to prove that it's real. This all started in 2009 when a person posted in Yahoo Answers asked if anyone had seen this movie where Sinbad played a genie. Anyone? Anyone? No one remembered the film until two years later when someone else asked about it in Reddit. They claimed the movie existed and that it was a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy out there. You hear what I'm saying? There's a conspiracy. A C-O-N-spiracy. <laughs> Most replies were skeptical of the movie's existence and told them that they had a false memory. Then in August of 2015, things took off when a news site, Vice, published a story about a conspiracy theory surrounding the children's storybook characters, the Bernstein Bears. The theory said that since so many people remember that the spelling of the bear's name ended with Steen instead of Stain, but pits and old copies prove it was always spelled with an A, that that was proof of the supernatural. There is not one universe. There are many. A multiverse. There is not one universe. There are many. Each of us exists in present time in parallel universes. That's quite a A to Z jump there. <laughs> Bernstein truthers, and damn, I love that name, believe in the Mandela effect, a theory that a large group of people with the same false memory used to live in a parallel universe. The name comes from those who frequently believe that Nelson Mandela died in prison. A few hours after the article was posted, the Shazam conspiracy took off. So many people remember this movie that couldn't possibly have existed. What's going on here? What's the dealio? Dr. Henry Rodiger, What's up, Doc? A professor at the Washington University Memory Lab said, Lots of people remember detailed but entirely false memories. In fact, we all have them. I have published on what we named the social contagion of memory and what others call memory conformity. That may be at work here. Roger explains that frequently one person's report of a memory influences another, and that false memories can spread this way. One person's memory infects another. There are some great conspiracy theories on this. Some people believe that this movie disappeared because Sinbad hated it. This is the worst movie ever! Which would not only have involved Sinbad, but everyone else in the movie. Now think about it. Every movie has people in it that it's their first movie or their only movie, and there's no way they would pretend they weren't in it and have a copy for themselves. Also, everyone involved in the production, the score, the advertising, the poster production, the distribution, the theaters that showed it, and hell, there's got to be a craft services mention in the credits someone would be excited about. <laughs> and then there's that awesome Mandela effect theory, which again is a theory that multiple realities exist and sometimes converge. So there was a reality where Shazam was a real movie. It briefly converged with our own reality, which is why people remember this movie. And then there's the oh-so-boring popular belief that the group is falling victim to the social contagion of memory. Essentially, all the talk about the movie is creating realistic false memories in people's minds. Come on, people. We have one great theory that at least thousands of people are engaged in a grand conspiracy to cover up the making of this movie just because Sinbad wants them to. And the world's greatest theory that a world where this movie existed converged with ours and gave us this false memory. And we're going to settle with the boring and well-known effect of the social memory? Damn, how boring. Thanks for nothing, Dr. Rodiger. <laughs>
But I'll be honest with you a second. The funny thing is, I'd never heard of this movie. I started reading claim after claim of people seeing this movie and tried to explain to several people on Facebook about false memories. But the crazy thing was, as I read dozens of stories of people claiming this movie existed and details about it, I actually started to remember it too. <laughs> I understood what was happening, but it was really weird to literally watch myself fall victim of the social contagion of memory while I knew I was doing so, and yet not be able to stop it. Inconceivable! You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. For the record, I know the movie doesn't exist, yet I remember it at the same time. I guess even geniuses like me can fall for mind fuckeries. <laughs> That, FYI, was sarcasm. Well, that's the show. Thanks, everyone, for giving me a bit of your time. If you enjoyed the show, you can help support it by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the Skeptical Junkyard Podcast, where you'll get an earlier extended version of the show along with some extras depending on your level of donation. And as a thank you, I'll compliment you on the show in any way you want. Or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the PayPal icon on the right side of our homepage at theskepticaljunkyardpodcast.com. If you can't afford to donate, then leave us a five-star review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you have any feedback or criticisms, please send them to theskepticaljunkyardpodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theskepticaljunkyardpodcast. You can tweet us at twitter.com slash sjybulldog or leave me a voicemail at 857-302-2SJY. That's 857-302-279. I'll take any input seriously as I want to provide you with the best content possible and any interesting or funny emails or voicemails will be used in the show. All these will be linked to our homepage along with links to the stories from this episode. Until next week, this is the Junkyard Bulldog saying... That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs>